I am your host, Dr. J, the negotiation coach for professional women of color, and welcome to the Negotiate to Freedom podcast, where we learn how to audaciously use our voice to negotiate to freedom. Hello, hello, this is Dr. J, the negotiation coach for professional women of color. And today we are going to talk about a sensitive topic, but very important topic at that. And it is called how to deal with microaggressions in the workplace. And this topic is important because as women of color and as black women, we have probably dealt with microaggressions in the workplace, but did not realize that we were dealing with it and therefore proceeded to work as we normally have done, but you know there was something eating at you inside and gnawing at at you inside, but you proceeded to carry on. So I'm going to discuss a specific case of microaggression that I have personally dealt with, and I'm going to illustrate what I would have done because I ignored it as well. And it wasn't until when I started reading about microaggressions um, that I realized that it was a case of microaggression that I was experiencing it, experiencing, and um, I, and I really didn't notice it. So let me just tell you this. So um, if you don't know, I'm a locum tenens physician. So that means that I travel to different clinics Specifically, if there's a need for a physician, I come in and I fill that need. Whether there's a physician that's away on some type of leave, whether it be sick leave or maternity leave, I come and fill that void working as a locum tenens physician. So I was working at a place and I was not only was I covering the patients for uh, the physician who was on leave, but I was also covering for the physicians that were presently there because they were just inundated, mm-hmm. right? They were inundated uh, with patients. There were so many patients, but not enough um, physicians and other providers to see them. So I would get the overflow. And so I was seeing this um, one patient um, of a physician who was already there at the practice, and I saw the patient, um, I examined the patient, I provided my treatment. Now, this physician had um, questioned my management through the EMR, which was the electronic medical health record system. And... I initially I was like, hmm, like I'm the one who's on the patient. I'm not sure why you're questioning my management because I actually physically laid eyes on the patient. I spoke to the patient and I examined them and therefore I provided my treatment. And she questioned it and actually provided uh, the patient with a with a with a different treatment, even though I was the one who saw examined the patient. Now, 
this was just one case, but there were many other cases just like this. And what was happening in my mind was, okay, I'm not, I don't understand why this physician is questioning what I'm doing when I am the one who is seeing the patient. I'm the one actually talking to the patient, communicating and getting a history. I am physically lying my hands on the patient through my physical examination. And so with her doing that multiple times, what did it have me do? It made me second guess myself. It made me second guess was uh, was my thought process correct? Was I doing the right thing for the patient? I was going on the medical liter literature websites to make sure that I'm appropriately following the appropriate guidelines and management for the patient who I believe had those um, conditions that I was treating. And so th that led me on a little bit of a spiral. And it, 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 is, it's, it can be also somewhat debilitating because, you know, in my profession, you know, in the health profession, you're dealing with someone's life, right? So you, you want to ensure that you are providing the, the best treatment for that patient as you see fit with the information that you have gathered. And it made me feel very uncomfortable, right? Because, you know, I now I'm also second guessing. I'm like, well, I knew because I, I graduated fellowship in 2021 and this, and this um, physician is more tenured than I am. So it made me question, well, I'm new. Well, maybe I don't know what I'm doing or, and maybe she has something better to offer. But all in all, it made me, second guess myself it made me wonder if i was doing the right thing and it also made me belittle myself right so how i dealt with it was i basically dealt with it the same way that she did passively right and i would just I, I, I wasn't direct in telling her how it made me feel and that it was inappropriate. I dealt with it very passively, right? I would just kind of ignore her comments or just say, okay, even though deep inside, it just didn't feel right. And so it wasn't until I read... Um, this is a book called I'm Not Yelling, A Black Woman's Guide to Navigating the Workplace by Elizabeth Leba. I realized that I was dealing with a case of microaggressions. And I realized how in the past I have dealt with those same things. But it made me think that I was the one who was bugging when it was the other party. Right? And... So I say this because there are times when we're in the workplace where someone may do something or someone may say something 
and and just in case if I were not clear, yes, the this physician was a was Caucasian. Okay, so like I said, sometimes when we're in the workplace, someone may say something or may do something, and we just kind of ignore it, just like I did. We may think that okay, well, we may question it for a bit, right? We may question it just like I question um, how I felt when that other physician questioned my management, but we don't address the issue. And this is what brings me to the meat of this episode is that dealing with microaggressions is a non-negotiable. And so what I would have done in this instance And what I will do moving forward, because this will likely happen again, because this has happened to me in the past, is that I would have, number one, spoken to her face to face and told her that it was inappropriate of her to question my management when I was the one who saw the patient and physically examined the patient. I would have I would have I would have been direct with her and I would have told her. And the reason why I think it's important to directly address the microaggressors because if we don't then we continue to make these environments toxic for us. Right? I mean, for me as a locum tenens physician, I was only there temporarily. So, yes, I left after my assignment was over, but still, it's still important for me to address the issue so this does not continue to be an ongoing issue for maybe another Black woman or woman of color physician. So we must all do our part to directly address microaggressors. And it is important for us to do so because it is just important for our health, it's important for our sanity, so that we can operate in our work environments with ease. Not saying that's going to be easy, but when you are at work and now you are second guessing whether the care that you are providing is good enough, that is a subtle gnawing feeling. And it doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel good at all to be replaying what you could have done, what you could have done differently, what were you thinking at the time. It wasn't a great feeling for me to be there. And I handle the situation passively, but just like I speak when negotiating anything, we must also be non-negotiable. We must also look at microaggression or dealing with microaggression as a non-negotiable in the workplace. And we also must let it be known that if something is uncomfortable or if something is inappropriate, we need to directly address the microaggressor and let them know.
And because I didn't let her know, she kept on doing it. Right? She kept on, she kept on with these small jabs. And that's the thing. With microaggression, they seem like subtle events. But in totality, it is a macro issue because it weighs on you. It weighs on your, on, on your mental health. So next time when you're in the workplace and someone of a different skin color than you of Caucasian persuasion says something and it makes you question yourself or it makes you second guess yourself or it makes you wonder about your competency and you notice that this is a recurrent issue As a matter of fact, even if it's not a recurrent issue, I still want you to say something. Because if it makes you feel that way, that's enough for it to be addressed. And when you're able to address instances like that in the workplace, not only does it make you more empowered in your line of work, But then it also teaches them that you're not to be messed with. And you are teaching them how to treat you. So it's important for us to be aware of when microaggression take place in the workplace and it is important for us to address them directly with the microaggressor, okay? All right, well, I hope you found this helpful. I really, really hope you found this helpful. This was really so helpful for me to learn more about this because I have have been ignoring microaggressions in the workplace. And so I hope this was helpful to help empower you to speak up for yourself and for you to also understand that dealing with microaggressions in the workplace is a non-negotiable. And we will all become better for, for it. Our mental health will become better for it while we're navigating our workplaces as women of color and black women, all right? So I hope you found this helpful again. And if you would like to keep up with me and all that I'm doing in the world, you can stay connected with me on Instagram that is Sis Negotiates. The link is also in the show notes. And um, send this episode to another fellow women of color, black women, professional, whether they're in the healthcare profession or not, I believe that we can all benefit from this information. And I believe that we can all benefit from learning how to better deal with microaggressions and also identifying them. All right. 
Hope you found this helpful and be blessed, y'all. Bye.